Christmas service. And uh, Ron uh, picks up the theme um, today of the, the Bible's most comforting verse. And uh, it's from Revelation. He chooses the reading of Revelation 4. And so if you want to follow it on your Bibles and your tablets, etc., or it's on the screen as well. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were the 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, round the throne, there were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle, and each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And in chapter 5, he describes the one on the throne as the Lamb of God, the Lamb who was slain, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, as we listen to Ron again, as we uh, share in the stories that he tells, help us to hear what you would have us hear by your Holy Spirit. And as we respond in worship, we pray that you would move in this place and accomplish all that you've planned and purposed. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ron describes the verses here as the most comforting verse. I don't know what comforts you in a crisis. There'll be many things. But for John, the apostle who wrote the book of Revelation, who had this amazing vision, for him, what comforted him was this vision of the throne. The throne of God with someone sitting on it. And as we read Revelation, it's, it's one of those strange books. We don't always understand the imagery and things like that. And even the apostle gets lost for words sometimes. But he sees this vision of heaven, that sphere of God's reality, transcendent, beyond us, yet imminent. So close to us. God, not up there, distant from us, but right with us. And John, in this vision, sees this open door in heaven. And he hears a voice. And the voice says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And there are lots of things that will take place before the end 
But the first thing he sees is the throne. And he gets just a tiny glimpse of what's going on behind the scenes. He sees this throne with someone sitting on it. And then he describes this scene of 24 elders sitting on separate thrones. And they represent the people of God before Christ and after. The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples of Jesus. And their white robes indicate purity and victory. And their crowns mean a royal priesthood. And in the midst of the persecution that is breaking out that John is in the middle of, he's been exiled, but most of the early apostles have been executed, and there is rampant persecution across, particularly the Roman-influenced world. He sees this vision of God on the throne, contrasting the vision of Caesar on his throne. And the world may rant and rave and sneer at the gospel, but his vision of the throne gives him heart. The creator, the sustainer of all things, is still on the throne and worthy of our worship. And it's when he sees that vision of God that he responds in worship. So we're going to listen to Ron as he uh, takes us through the Bible's most comforting verse. When it comes to apocalyptic visions, there are usually five elements. First, a beast of sorts, coercing people into worshipping it instead of God. Second, destruction and death from the beast towards the saints. Third, scrolls or some kind of patterned arrangement, be it seven trumpets or seven bowls, which come from God and bring a climax to the chaos. But it's the fourth and fifth parts of these visions that takes our attention today. Thrones and a person sitting on them. I remember one hellish week in the jungle of the Far East when I fell into the hands of some very violent communist guerrillas. For some days I was sure I was going to die and witnessed some terrible atrocities, including a man shot in front of my eyes who took half a day to die. And I could do nothing to help. I had no future, and I was fearful that my faith would not be up to the task of dying well. But a strange strengthening took place, however. Only later did I see that it was a pattern that came straight out of the pages revelation. At first, I was in despair. I had been taken captive through a freak chance. No one knew I was there. I could envision my body decomposing in a jungle swamp, and no one would ever know. My captors would get away with it. What a waste of life and potential for them and for me. And then one day, I glimpsed a page of a book one of the troop was reading. It showed a crude pencil sketch of a famous painting by Francis Bacon, one where the Pope is sitting on his chair in a kind of cube, and his face is coming apart in a hideous scream. It's a horrifying picture, possibly painted to show the irrelevance of the church. But what struck me was, this man was sitting on a throne. A throne, a throne. And I began to feel 
an odd sense of relief. Didn't God sit on a throne? And if it's God's throne, then that's the place of absolute power and control in the universe. Nothing could happen anywhere, at any time, to anyone that wasn't seen from this throne. Whatever was happening in the jungle to me, it was not unseen. It was not meaningless. As long as there was a throne, there was a plan, there was control, and nothing went to waste if God was still in charge. I began to say under my breath, there is a throne, there is a throne. And I knew enough of the Bible to remember the great visions of Daniel when he saw that thrones were put in place. And of course of John when he said, I saw heaven opened and there in heaven stood a throne. This very verse. If there is a throne and you have a faith, there is order. There is control. There is hope. The demon of meaninglessness gets banished, or at least retreats. But then, strangely, now that there was a throne, I began to sing. I remembered, with God's help, the hymns I'd learned in my church growing up. And what great hymns, too. Maybe not special to most people. But they recalled faces, testimonies, places where the rafters rang with hundreds of voices raised in fierce conviction. And those memories lifted me, even as I sang very quietly. Words like, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And other hymns like, O love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee, I give thee back the life I owe. Other hymns like, it is a thing most wonderful, almost too wonderful to be, that God's own Son should come from heaven and die to save a child like me. And then that amazing Wesley hymn that seems to be worth ten Bibles. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain. Thousand, thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his reign. Hallelujah! Jesus comes and comes to reign. And of course, that's what goes on at the throne. Worship, singing, praises. Because the throne of God is a place of wonder. And John reaches for every metaphor he can find from the Old Testament to give color to the splendor of this throne vision. The precious stones, that's from Ezekiel, Jasper, Carnelian, and a rainbow that looks like an emerald. The lightning, thunder, and the four living creatures and the crystal sea. That's from Ezekiel again. And then the threefold holy, holy, holy of the four living creatures. That's from Isaiah. It's a wondrous sight, this throne. And it draws praise from the saints and angels. And I was part of this great choir that had sung since time began and would keep singing forever. This praise never stops. Find God's throne, and you hear music. The music of endless, glorious praise. And I had joined in. That's what a throne does. If you see it, you sing, you worship, you praise. And in doing so, the demon of powerlessness begins to recede. 
That feeling that says, I'm just a tiny little cog that doesn't matter. No one cares about me. Why should they? No. After the singing, I took my place among the great creatures of heaven and earth in worshiping before the throne. But still, I felt very alone. There was no one there, just a group of hostile men and the buzzing of relentless mosquitoes and the mocking, echoing sounds of the creatures of the stifling jungle. But I began to think, who was on this throne? It was the Lamb, right? Jesus. And as I thought of all I was going through, I remembered, well, Jesus has been on this path before. He knew what it was like to be surrounded by hostile crowds. He knew what it was like to be totally alone in his hour of greatest need. He even knew what it was like to feel abandoned by God himself. Somehow, it all got very personal. Jesus knew everything I was going through. He was not a distant God in heaven, but a person like me that had gone through far worse to take me into heaven. And so the demon of loneliness also began to recede. And that's the greatest point of this throne vision. There's a person sitting on the throne. God is more than a force. He's a force with a face. That face is Christ, the Lamb, forever changed in his eternal form for our sake. Whatever act of sacrifice we can make, it can never match the eternal one Jesus made. For he will always bear nail prints in his hand. He will forever be the Lamb. And John tells us only the Lamb can break the seals of the scroll and make history happen. So it became personal. It was not just God, the all-powerful one, I was following. It was Jesus, my friend, yet also God. I suppose I've never got my mind around it to this day. But I did know how to take strength from it. It got me through. And the triple demons of meaninglessness and powerlessness and loneliness were slayed by a throne vision that came to me in a jungle, just as it came to the readers of John in his great book and to John himself in his island exile. I saw a throne with someone sitting on it. Could there possibly be a more comforting verse in the entire universe? Can we remember there is a throne and receive the love of the person who sits upon it? If there isn't a throne, there isn't enough power, but there is. And if there isn't a lamb on that throne, there isn't enough love, but there is. It's powerful, it's personal, it's beautiful, and of course, it's eternal. Sally and the band to come back as we uh, worship in response.